Welcome to Little City Big Sound. I'm David Penderlofgren. So I'm guessing you've already heard the news. Polecat is calling it quits. That's right. The band that started as an inspired group of musicians from seemingly disparate corners of the Bellingham music community in 2010 and subsequently became darlings of the scene, perennially winning Best of Bellingham and What's Up Music Awards, has decided to play one more run of shows in select Northwest cities and wrap up their 10-year tenure with a two-show extravaganza at the Bellingham Circus Guild on Saturday, March 7th. Now, maybe if you take the 10,000-foot view, as Brent Cole calls it, this is just another example of the constant churn of Bellingham bands. But for me, this feels significant. I came of age in the era of Polecat. And honestly, the community of folks that I've known the longest in this town, our lives have been shaped by their music and the events they've created. I met my wife at a Polecat show, and we're not the only couple to have that story. So after hearing the news, I knew I had only one choice, and that was to interview the person who pulled this group of musicians together a decade ago the alchemist who managed to recognize the gold that would be created when the skill and style of these unique players was combined. A guy who happens to also be one of my closest friends, Aaron Guest. Aaron grew up in Spokane and moved to Bellingham to attend Western in 2003. He played in a handful of bands in his college years, flexing his multi-instrumental skills with groups like The Growers, Juicebox, Vantage, and the 20-string band but it was with Polecat that he fully cemented his celebrity status. Over the past 10 years, he has simultaneously run the juggernaut that is the Polecat music machine, as well as playing in a variety of other musical situations. He's appeared on close to a dozen recordings. Someone's gonna have to fact check me on that, I'm just guessing. And he's built a reputation around town as an in-demand record producer. All right, I'm going to stop embarrassing him with superlatives now. Here's our conversation. Aaron Guest, welcome. Honored to be here, David. Somewhere around late 2009, early 2010, uh, you brought together a group of musicians from what at the time felt like fairly different parts of the Bellingham music community. You'd all been playing music in the community for a few years at that point, but like when the five of you joined forces, it felt like something pretty special was happening. You built a following of loyal fans locally and regionally, over the last 10 years or so, um, you played close to a thousand shows. Is that right? Yes, sir. All across the American West. You produced and released an EP, three full length albums, and a live album. You set the record for Downtown Sounds concert attendance. For this community, for your fans in Whatcom County, you've been a consistent, reliable source of like connection and communion, not to mention great dance parties. At the beginning of this year, you announced that the band was coming to an end, but not before a series of farewell shows. Can you maybe start by talking about like what factors led to deciding to hang up the hat and what conversations you guys have been having as a band? Absolutely. I would say the, over the last few years, we've kind of grown up together is what it feels like. We started when you're in our early to mid-20s, and now you can do the math about 10 years later where we all are. And um, over the last few years, we've had members move out of town. Carl, our drummer, lives in Seattle. 
Uh, our guitar player Jeremy is down in Portland, and our bass player Richard is out on the San Juan Islands. So logistically, it becomes a little more difficult to be able to tour as a group. I would say even deeper than that, we've, we were so honored to have such a drive together as a band, and we got to ride some nice, small, regional waves of success. And as the writing grew less, as the motivation to be out on the road grew less, which is a pretty natural state of affairs in bands over five years old. We had always made kind of a vow to each other to never use substitutes. It was only going to be us five on stage to give that true polecat sound. And we could, we could all kind of sense maybe the energy was getting a little bit less. And as that was happening, people were, we were starting to move on with our lives, whether it be in new cities, whether it be in new relationships. And of course, as always, we're, we're all driven musicians and we want to be able to explore all aspects of our musicality. And because Polecat comes from five very different musical tastes, really, it's only natural that we would grow maybe a little bit out of each other and out of the band. And we had a conversation a few months ago after a great summer of festivals and, and concert series uh, where I feel like Polecat has always shown the brightest. And at this point, we're able to really look back and be proud of what we did. And, and it, so it's not to us, it's not a sad thing. It's not a divisive thing or it's not a dramatic blow up thing at all. Um, this is us being real with each other, realizing that it's time. And for us to do it right, we wanted to just play one more little run with uh, some of our favorite Northwest cities, which are Bend, Portland, Seattle, and of course our hometown, Bellingham. And to us, this is the way to say thank you. This is our final sign off. We, we didn't want to just kind of fade out, I suppose. We wanted to make sure to have one final connection uh, with as many of our Northwest fans as we could for our last shows together. I want to, at some point, I want to like get back around to what your plans are for this whole farewell tour. Sure. But it strikes me that like from where we stand today, it seems really natural that the five of you would play music together. Uh, but that's only because as a community, we've seen you sort of grow as musicians together and like be a constant presence. But that's not at all how it felt like when this band started. Do you remember, do you remember what the thought process was when you decided that a funk guitarist, an Irish fiddle player and a reggae drummer should all be playing in a band backing up the like country folk tunes that you were writing? <laughs> Oh, you know what? I didn't really think too much about genre specifics. I thought about, okay, who are who are some of the best musicians around town? It's really it's really as direct as I can be. I just I had seen all these incredible musicians in playing in their own original bands of all types of genres. And it wasn't about that. It was it was watching them as as performers and listening to how they played so well. And so I basically I got together with each person individually, um, kind of as the band was forming. And I got together with Jeremy Elliott first. He's the electric guitar player. Yes. And we sat down and I showed him some tunes 
and Jeremy is from actually Georgia from the South. And so, you know, he grew up with Almond Brothers, Southern Rock kind of stuff, and of course, bluegrass country music. And so his guitar playing style, you know, immediately grabbed on to kind of the Americana-ish songs I had going, fast-paced Americana. And originally, we were just going to be acoustic. To, I was going to play 12-string, he was going to play 6-string acoustic. Uh, but I really encouraged him to play the Telecaster guitar because I think that is just the most tried-and-true electric, perfect electric guitar tone, and we can have a whole other discussion about that. At the time, he was playing with Von Cristo. Von Cristo was just absolutely killing it. It was just like this awesome improvisational funk trio that played down at the Rogue Hero all the time with Kevin Christ on the drums and Del on the Mar, who's now like touring the world on the organ. And they were just so fantastic. And I loved, I just loved Jeremy's approach as lightning fast playing. We immediately kicked it off as pals. His, his energy is, it's so positive and infectious. Um, he's just so fun to be around. Um, so that, that clicked right away. And, um, I've been playing off and on with uh, Richard Reeves on bass in bands over the years. My first band ever actually was with Richard in college. We were called The Growers. I've had a lot of bands, and it's it's not one of the best names. Uh, but <laughs> um, he played electric bass, and I played drums. And anyways, over the past few years, I'd been s- changing my writing style to be more of this like fast-paced Americana kind of stuff, and he had joined me on different kinds of upright fashioned bass apparatus. Um, he definitely had an actual wash tub bass that he built and played with me on a lot of gigs. That was super fun. And so I definitely had him at the forefront of my mind when I was thinking about this project. I've always loved being around Richard. His, his energy is, is so peaceful and so happy and so in the moment and adventurous. And as you're seeing by these explanations, you know, I think a huge part of being in a band is getting along with the people that you're going to be around a lot Mm. and enjoying each other's personalities is such a huge part of that. And then next would have been Kaylee Schmid on fiddle. The first time I really noticed her was at the Saturday farmer's market in an Irish group called Giants Causeway. They play fiddle tunes, all instrumental. So Giants Causeway would go down and busk there, play for tips every Saturday. And I also had a little string, one of my first kind of string bands called 20 String Band. Another really great band name that I had made up of me on 12 string and Wyatt Winston on the mandolin, which you might have guessed it has eight strings. And uh, our two groups would do pretty well busking down there. And I really noticed that uh, they were the they were the competition. And um, I was struck, of course, by her playing and her personality and asked her to join soon after that. And then finally, the drummer, the mad scientist, Carl Olson, I had seen play even back in our campus days when we both went to Western. He did the full-on percussion music degree. He is an absolute scholar and as a, just a consummate professionalist when it comes to music and he's actually like a really funny and witty dude as well and I kind of had this string band formed but I've always been a rocker at heart and I just love having drums I've played drums in bands most of the music I listen to includes drums and so I knew I wanted his nuanced uh, percussionist approach 
mm. to the band instead of maybe a straight rock drummer. You know, I was so curious to see what he would do uh, with this amalgamation of musicians and styles that we were all going to bring. And he fit like a glove right away. It's been amazing to see his drum set grow over the last <laughs> 10 years. And before we even had a band name, I approached Janet Leitner of Boundary Bay Brewery. I just started a piano gig there, which I still do every Wednesdays from six to eight. I play the piano in the tap room at Boundary Bay Brewery. I approached her and I said, hey, Janet, I got a band. I think it's going to be good. We don't have a name yet, but I'll come up with one. Give me Monday nights. And she trusted me. And on March 1st, 2010, we played our first gig as a five-piece band. And we had a weekly there. We went through that spring every Monday and then went out to the beer garden all through that first summer. And if you want to find a way to get a band tight quick, get yourself a two-set gig that has to happen every single week. That really got us on our toes quickly. We had many, many long rehearsals over at the old Franklin Street house that have housed many bands of Bellingham lore over the years. And we would have rehearsals in the living room while Snug Harbor was rehearsing in the basement. There's a great story by Justin Smith, the keyboard player. Um, Kaylee, Kaylee plays very fast, energetic fiddle music, and she likes to stomp when she plays. And as we were working on a fast fiddle part on one of our songs, she was stomping away. And in the basement of this decrepit old building, maggots were falling down on Justin Smith's keyboard as they were writing a new tune, which he aptly named Maggot Rain, <laughs> that I believe appeared on one of their records. Totally. I suppose those were the auspicious beginnings. <laughs> I, I feel like at a certain point we have to give up the charade that you and I have known each other for a very long time and have played music together, uh, practically lived together, and there's there's a lot of ties there. Sure are, but... Um, so yeah, I was in that basement when those maggots started falling. <laughs> I want to go back to the uh, the Mondays at Boundary Bay because for me, that's like a fairly foundational, uh, as you're saying, like it, it's sort of the place where you guys cut your teeth. It's also the place where you built a really um, tight-knit community of people who sort of used that weekly gig as a place to uh, come together and dance. Uh, two or three episodes ago, Jan Peters was in uh, was in the chair you're in right now, and he, you know, he started a weekly Monday at Boundary that eventually became called the Monday Night Project. Totally, arguably, <clears throat> Jordan Rain used a similar tactic to build a following around Yoga Man Burning Band by doing weeklies at Boundary Bay. Were you aware? of that as like a model for building a young band in Bellingham or did that or is Janet Leitner just responsible for, <laughs> for incubating <laughs> many bands in Bellingham? Well, for that last comment, she absolutely is. Boundary Bay has been such an incredible supporter of local live music for so many years. Um, this is their 25th year as a brewery. And in response to the first part, um, I think I was most aware of the Gallus brothers, they had a weekly at, at Boundary Bay for many years. And right. I was, I was a big fan of them just of their incredible musicianship and camaraderie. And of course, seeing them at the subdued string band Jamboree festival 
and I knew that they had had that going for years. So yeah, I knew, I knew that that would be a good way to, I guess, kick it off with a bang a little bit and have a paid gig every, every week for these musicians. That's always been a huge part of uh, how I've tried to manage the band is like making sure that we get taken care of at least a little bit, um, which is, you know, it's hard to do. There's so much great music out there, not many rooms to play it in. Uh, but it's important, you know, when I was moving forward with this group right away, it was very important to me to approach it as professionally as I could from day one. And Boundary Bay was able to facilitate that. Although we definitely got cut off from the more expensive portion of the menu after a few weeks. <laughs> Have you always felt that uh, some responsibility towards um, like providing for the other musicians in the band or sort of you know, creating a situation where they want to be a part of what's going on? Uh, yes, I have. And, I, you know, I, I feel like I probably put more weight on my own shoulders than I needed to at some points over the years. Uh, but, yeah, I always took that very seriously as the person who manages the bands and books the shows and all that. You know, we all have, we all have lives. We all have bills. Yeah, I, I really did. And we were pretty lucky over the years, you know. I've only I've only had a I only have a couple of horror stories of sitting at the bar after the gig telling the owner that I'm going to keep drinking his booze until he gives me my money. Um luckily that was only twice and almost a thousand. So I feel good about that. But yeah, I so I I do feel like I I put a lot of that weight on my shoulders. I was the person that got paid and I took that very seriously. But we definitely grew into a very democratic five piece business we all own 20 percent of the business and we all own 20 percent of all the music as well um, and that's very important as well is to make sure that everyone feels equal feels heard um so yeah i worked i worked hard to, to keep that going it's interesting that you talk about like how you guys all grew up together kaylee was 21 when you guys started the band yep i don't think we've officially said that kaylee is your wife she was also guest uh, episode number three she sure was. Does that mean we're like the first couple? You guys uh, are the first couple that I know of. Oh my goodness. have both been on <laughs> on the podcast. Um, yeah, I, I wonder what it feels like for you knowing that for most of your adult life, Polecat has been a constant. Like this has been a, a sort of a through line, even in times when you're not necessarily touring as much or whatever, like this has been a, a thing that at the very least you can look to for some sense of identity. Like I am a part of this band. People know who this band is. What does it feel like looking at, you know, a month from now, you guys are going to play your last show. Well, a month from the recording of this, you guys are going to play your last show. Oh, I feel so many feelings about Polecat uh, over the years. You're right. You know, it has been a, a large part of my identity more so to myself and the music that I've written for the band. And, you know, I'm, I'm on the computer every day doing something that has to do with the band every day, no matter what I'm on the phone, you know, just there, there's so much more that goes into building a band than just playing the music. As far as how I feel right now, I, I feel some weight lifting off my shoulders and it feels really good. You know, I, I feel like there's been times in this group where 
I took things, I took things so seriously, you know, when you, and, and we all have maybe in a certain way, like when you invest yourself so heavily into this one thing, there's definitely pressures, you know, when you have people that are working for you, like we had a booking agency working with us for several years, there's pressure there, you know, you, you feel these outside pressures from the music scene. Where do you fit in? Oh, we didn't get that festival this year. Oh, we didn't sell this many numbers at this club. And when those details start to be important, I don't know, some of, some of the beauty of the reason for doing all this can get lost. And as a group of people who have chosen to make this business and be self-employed by this business and owners and bosses of the business, you know, we need to look inside personally for ourselves and for each other and make sure that we're not, you know, putting unneeded pressure on each other or ourselves and as true as you can, you know, be, be who you are as an artist and as a human being, it's easy. It can be easy to get lost in it a little bit. And I feel like all of us want quality over quantity and we all pushed pretty hard, you know, for several years and we made, we've all made plenty of personal sacrifices, but that, that just comes with the territory, you know, but yeah, it, you know, the la- I would say the last few years have been a large transition for me personally, where I've realized that, okay, we're not hitting the road like we used to. You got to keep hitting the road if you really want to keep doing it, you know, in so many ways. I've realized a shift in my writing. I've realized a shift of how I like to approach music, a shift in how I feel about performing music. Mm. And so I'm trying to be very mindful of that, as we all are. I think we're all pretty close to the same page as far as we feel we feel at peace we feel good that we're doing these last shows and we feel good that in 10 years exactly actually to the week uh we're wrapping this thing up there's no party that's like sad or scared not anymore i feel like i've had time to be sad and scared right now i'm in four different recording projects <laughs> and uh, have several new performance opportunities coming my way. I feel right now more motivated about music than I did a year ago. And that is revitalizing and that is powerful. So yes, you know, identities will change depending on how you represent yourself musically. But at the end of the day, I just want to keep making music. And I really know that about myself mm. now, again. And that feels great. You've had a solo project since long before Polcat started called A Guest. Mm-hmm. Another great artist name. That started like when you were, you were at Fairhaven College, right? Very true. Yeah. I think the first thing I put out as A Guest would have been in 2006. And it was all instrumental, and it was mostly looping, which has been at, kind of at the core of a lot of the AGAS stuff over the years. And I've had the same Boss RC20 looping pedal since probably 2005. I've sp- I spent a lot of hours on that thing, just coming up with little ideas and developing counterpoint and layers and harmonies. And that's definitely been, at yeah, the cornerstone of 
the A guest thing, which is a much more simple chord progressions and arrangements and much more focused on harmony and counterpoint and lush sounds. Mm. And so, yeah, it's always been kind of in the background. I've never toured with it. I never put like an actual band together specifically for that project. It's it it incorporates just my love of being by myself to make music. It strengthens my chops on my instruments. I I play all the sounds on the Agus records, so all the instruments, vocals, drums, guitars, basses, pianos, all that stuff. And it really it strengthens my love of recording music, which I've always just been fascinated with. Those first few records are pretty rough sounding. <laughs> Uh, I've gotten a little bit better and I've gotten to work with some great producers um, over the years. And these days with the A-Guest thing, it is all about Jeremiah Austin at Royal Purple Recording. We have a great time. He lives two blocks from me, which is so handy. And we tell a lot of bad jokes and make (laughs) some pretty music. And it's a really good time. So my last two EPs have been released with him co-producing. And it's it's been a fun trajectory. It's definitely evolved over the years. But it's always just kind of been my little thing in the background that I do for me. And I always put them out in a DIY fashion. I feel like the, you know, the, the fact that it started as looping, you can really hear in the early stuff uh, your compositional technique. And by that, I mean, like, you can hear that it's like you sort of building one layer over another and that informs the way that you arrange the song mm-hmm. by the time we get to all along which is the record that you put out in Jan- this past january it feels like the arrangements have really evolved is that because rather than like exclusively looping you're using multi-track recording in a studio like that you're able to sort of access a different approach to arranging or like i don't really know what the question is i'm asking here but i, f- I just feel like there's an evolution in the arrangement uh, that I want you to say some things about. Uh, I would say the biggest difference with Agus stuff over the last little bit, I use the Voice Memos app on my iPhone constantly. So I come up with little ideas all the time on different instruments, whatever, around the house. If I don't really have like time to like, usually I'm running off to do something else. So it's like if I come up with this little thing, I was like, oh, that sounds okay. I'll, I'll put it down right away. And once I've piled a decent amount of those up and once I've filled the cache of my looping pedal up it can hold 10 different loops in its memory once that's stuffed up again and once my phone is pretty full I will sit down and go through all of the ideas together and I'll start mapping them out based on tempo and key and time signature and I'll start finding similarities between a few of them And so a lot of, most of the songs on the new EP are a combination of three or four different, completely different ideas musically that I've pieced together through little scratch recordings and made them into a cohesive piece. Um, So it ends up being a little more progressive sounding than uh, like a verse chorus, verse chorus structure of music um, in parts, although it's still very laid back. It's not like prog rock or something. It's it's still laid back and easy to listen to, but it kind of just moves from part to part on some of the pieces. 
which was very adventurous and fun to ride over. And then another difference I did with this album was we had the entire record done instrumentally. We were done recording and it was pretty much mixed and balanced like we wanted it. And then Kaylee and I went to Scotland together and every night before bed, after just one or two pints, I wrote down lyrics before I went to sleep. And that's how I wrote all the words of All Along. And I, so I wrote to existing music, which I'd never done before. And that was interesting and challenging and really fun actually to have that structure and write within that structure. And so that, that was the gist of the process of All Along. Wow. So the, so like the length of the, say we call it a verse or whatever, that's predetermined. And then you have to go in and sort of write a lyric that fits I have that to fit, structure yes. that you've made without having any lyrics in mind. So yeah, it was just all wrapping the lyrics around the arrangements that I had created and around the instrumental riffs that I had recorded. It was a great challenge. I really enjoyed it actually. This episode is brought to you by Irish and Folk Mondays at Green's Corner. Every Monday, Jan Peters hosts a thriving Irish music session, followed by a stunning acoustic concert series featuring local, regional, and nationally touring artists, performing a wide variety of folk and traditional music. Listeners and players alike can enjoy the great selection of food and drink available at Green's Corner, experience the age-old tradition of session playing with Bellingham's intergenerational Celtic music community, and revel in the world-class sounds of the feature performance. This month, Yon Songs Productions is proud to present Master of the Irish Fiddle, Dale Russ. The eclectic flavor of local favorites, Flattery. World-class Irish and Americana with Josephine County. And a very special performance featuring Joe Craven of the David Grisman Quintet and his daughter, Hattie Craven. Advanced tickets recommended. For showtimes and more, visit yonsongsproductions.com and follow Irish and Folk Mondays on Facebook. Irish and Folk Mondays at Green's Corner. If Mondays make you blue, come to Green's. It strikes me that like a lot of the the A guest material, like that project is very much you recording. Um, so like mm-hmm. th- even just the process of using a looper, it's like forcing yourself to record in a quick moment and deal with whatever that recording is. Like it really, I feel like that helps uh, sort of hone your chops. Um, But you have spent a ton of time in that project thinking about music as recording rather than thinking about music as live performance. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I want to talk about another facet of your artistic expression, which is producing records, like working in the studio with other musicians. Um, But I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about how thinking about music as recording first is different than thinking about music as a performing musician or as a, you know, someone whose intention is to first go out and play it live. Totally. It's It's a totally different world as a musician to live in than the performance world. But they, they both, both of these worlds really help the other out. Like the better I've gotten at performance, the better, of course, I've gotten in performing in a studio setting and the better I've gotten about 
using gear and knowing how how I want things to sound in a studio, that's informed how what I use live and how I play live. Um, so it, I just I feel lucky that I've been able to do so much of both because it's I, th I think they help they really help balance each other out in a lot of ways, and so yeah I'm really I'm really happy with that trajectory you know as far as the last few years I think I've spent more time I think the balance has shifted toward the studio push and for me I'm I'm sure part of that is just like it doesn't get it's not getting easier to play in a crazy loud bar until whatever hour in the night as a performer I still love to do it, but definitely not as much as I used to. I know that. And I just, I only love being in the studio more and more. So I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling that and I'm responding to it. And that's, it's just been great. I think it's led to some, uh, some fun revelations in my solo work. And then to be able to help produce friends and coworkers records with them is a really fascinating part of the work that I've only done a little bit, but I'm all about it. Mm. In my experience as a musician, working in a studio is almost always terrifying and um, frustrating. And I feel like a lot of musicians, the response to that, uh, realizing how different it is to be in a studio environment is to like just sort of shy away from it and lean more heavily on performance mm -hmm. and, and just sort of say like, well, this is really the thing I'm into. You know, and and uh, I don't know. There's something I I love about like going to a show with you. The fact that what you do is you go and like stand in front of the sound person, like you've tuned your ears a bit, right? Like like you yes. you are you listen in a different way than I think even a lot of musicians listen because uh, you've taught yourself how to listen in relation to silence rather than in relation to chaos. <laughs> you know? Yeah, maybe and. You know, I think the the fact that I've really tried to keep playing a lot of different instruments, it, it's so fun. I, I love listening to music so much. I do it. I do it so much. I, and I just, I feel like I love it more and more. Like the more I record, the more I play, the more I love to listen. Because it's so, it's so fun for me to like pick out exactly what the drummer's doing. Here. All mm. that, all oh, that bass run is so cool or that guitar tone, or that vocal technique, and all these things are just, you know, adding to hopefully what I'm internalizing, you know, so I can bring into the studio um, sometime down the road. So yeah, listening is is so powerful. So do you feel like um, now that you're sort of putting a, putting a bow on the Polecat era, mm -hmm. the A-Guest work has has been present for that whole time. Do you feel like, like you just released a, an EP? Um, are you looking at it a little differently now? Like, is there part of you that goes like, oh, hello, old friend. Like uh -huh. may, maybe I need to spend a little more time, put a little more energy. Or do you think that's always going to be something that's just a, uh, there for you to sort of like work on some ideas in the quiet times, but never really like grab a hold of and try and do, uh, do some sort of big, like, I don't know, performance schedule right. with. I, I'm, I'm going to push it a little more. I'm happy to announce that I, I have a residency at the Honeymoon. I'm going to be playing every Monday in May as a guest, featuring a different 
performer that I really admire. I've performed with over the years each week. So yeah, I guess there is a little, that's more than I would have done a few years ago, for sure, as far as performance as a solo artist. Because, man, I got used to playing with a band, and playing with a band is great, especially with as good of musicians as my bandmates in Polecat. It, it's hard to, it's it's very difficult to play as a solo act. But when I, and I do it pretty rarely, but when I do it, I get a, this huge outpouring of emotion. It's pretty intense, and I know that's a good thing. Um, it, like joyful emotion and I feel like I can really let myself out um, and that's I'm I don't want to push that away right now so come to the honeymoon any Monday in May and watch me bare my soul and play the piano that I used to own actually fun tidbit the piano at the honeymoon used to live in my house and I've missed it and it'll be so cool to play it again <laughs> that's great um, you know, we'll see how the honeymoon goes. I, I feel like I'm just kind of gingerly stepping back into uh, performance in another way. With a weekly on a Monday, huh? With a weekly on a Monday. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think it's it's a ginger approach because I, I kind of do love the fact that the Agus thing has just kind of been in the background. I always release something every few years and I, you know, it's a very personal thing, but it's important to me to continue that so yeah i think that's going to be a little bit tbd it's my impression that you've always uh had uh a role as a producer in most of the the band's records that you guys you know that you've put out yeah um but a few years ago like you really it seems like you really made a push to or at least uh had an opportunity to to step into the role exclusively as producer where um you know maybe you're playing some of the instruments on the record but you know that where you're really um brought into the studio because of your your ears and your approach uh i'm thinking of flow motion frontman josh clausen's solo record driftless in 2017 um you also produced uh, sky colony's latest record all of us released in 2019 um I know you've been working with Jeremy Elliott, the guitar player from Polecat, on his sort of ongoing recording project. Mm-hmm. Um, when do, when do you feel like you started becoming a producer? Like started like working as a producer? That's a good question. Uh, producer is a funny word. I feel like, it, especially at this you know very small level in the grand scheme of the music industry and records and all that. I think what's kind of happened organically is. Um, when when a band when a project of mine a live project of mine comes into a studio, because of some of my schooling and just my eagerness to ask questions and know gear and microphones, I'm usually the one in the project that is able to communicate the clearest and most efficiently with the engineer at hand, and so usually that that relationship is formed, um, and I just I love those relationships. Um, because the, you know, the engineer is making your music come to life. But if you can communicate the group's wishes in a, in a way that the engineer, uh, prefers to, to talk, I think that really does help the music and help the project in general. So that just kind of organically, I just kind of kept noticing that whenever I go into a studio with a group. And then, you know, when we were thinking about producer credits, usually it's always, you know, produced by the engineer and the band 
And then every so often it was like, you know, the engineer, Aaron Guest and the band or, you know, different members kind of thing. And so as over the years as that's happened, I just continued noticing that and continued to foster those relationships when I'm in the studio with the engineer, just being very present because like that's, that's even, even the live engineer at a, in a performance setting, like being present and open and honest with the sound person is, is really everything. Like you might have the coolest band ever, but if you're not nice to the sound person, they have all the knobs at their fingertips and it's just, it's just, why not? Like, why not be awesome to the sound person? That's my only PSA right there. Well, but you also speak the language of the sound person, right? That it's helps. like you can, you can communicate. And I think it's something that bands struggle with so often is you go like, yes, I don't, I don't like what it sounds like. It's hard. And that's to as far as my understanding of that thing goes. Yeah, It would, I, I agree. And it is hard to articulate when you're just like, oh man, something, something's in the way. I don't know how to say but I, I will definitely say that it, it has not hurt me whatsoever to educate myself a little bit on how to communicate with sound and how to think of it linearly. You're also underselling yourself there. I mean, you went to school, like you, you studied sound engineering in I college. did study some, yes, that's true. I, I got some credits at Fairhaven. So that, of course, helped. But as far as, yeah, so I just, I, I realized that I really enjoyed that process. I love the challenge of performing to a click track and trying to get emotion out of it. And I love the, the, there, there's no, there's no performance there. There's no ego there. It's just like, it's your ears. It's the engineer's ears and maybe your bandmates ears. And it's just time to like show up. And I, I just love that challenge. Um, so when I realized that I enjoyed co-producing the record, you know, as much as I enjoyed being a studio musician, then my, my goal kind of shifted over the last few years. Okay. Can I, can I make that become a reality, uh, with our other artists that I admire, that I work with that would want to include me in something like that. And so, um, that, that brings the Josh Clausen Driftless album, the Sky Colony album. I, I just played keyboards and just kind of helped out some, I didn't produce it heavily, but they honored me with a producer credit, which is very generous. And then working with Jeremy has been so great because, of course, you know, we've, we wrote almost all the Polkat songs together in some fashion. And, you know, him and I have been at since the beginning and we've just, we've worked so well musically together. It's been really fun to have this different relationship with where it, this is Jeremy Elliott's music. All of it is his music. And I'm there, I'm playing a lot of the instruments on the record and we're writing, I'm there with my bass and we're like writing the part together and I'm there on my roads and we're writing the part together and I'm on the drum set and he's got all these great ideas and I can be this conduit for the artist to be like, I'm there as your studio musician. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to develop some of my own ideas and bring those to the table. But if you want something done a certain way, you have this idea that you hear, but you don't necessarily have the time behind that instrument to make it happen. If I can make that happen for you, that's super fun and rewarding. And it's in a totally different way than making your own music because you're bringing someone else's ideas to life through an instrument. And so Jeremy's record is going to be awesome because he's such a great guitar player. Each song has its own different musical style. It's all over the map. 
Um, and it's been a huge challenge and uh, so much fun to be able to produce this with him. It's interesting what you say about being able to, like having agency on enough different instruments. Like that's, it's a good point that you are, you are like a proficient musician at enough different instruments that you're not, not only can you speak the language of the engineer, but you can also speak the language of all of the musicians, you know, that you can step in and go like, cool, it feels like you need whatever, a little more kick drum here and the release on your bass line needs to be here. And like, you actually can, you're sort of like a translator between all of these different pieces. Yeah, that's, a, I like that word. I haven't thought of it, but yeah, I, it's, it's really rewarding to be able to communicate like that. And I, I appreciate you complimenting me. Like I'm okay. I feel like uh, what I've done is I've built myself to be okay at a lot of instruments. I don't feel like I'm very good at one instrument. I'm pretty proficient at several and I'm able to communicate between the artist and the engineer in terms that each recognize and communicate well with. And that it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's so, it's so rewarding and it's so involved. And I just, I feel like my brain is working very well when I'm in those situations. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, the process of producing Josh Clausen's record? Absolutely. Um, you know, he originally, he originally kind of had like a folk rock vibe that he wanted. He basically like had a batch of songs that were kind of folk rocky that he wanted actual, he wanted to hire Polcat as a band to be his backing band. Um, and then he had another batch of songs that were a little more dream folky, you know, more related to my solo stuff. Um, and when he was picking through, he just kept kind of migrating toward the dreamy stuff. And we met, you know, and I played him some of my music and showed him, you know, the stuff that I could offer perhaps. And like, as in the instruments that you could play or in, what do you mean the stuff you could offer? The, yeah, the instrument, I showed him like recordings of, you know, uh, different, different projects I've been in or solo stuff where I like, I played these instruments here to achieve this kind of sound or whatever. Right. And so it ended up being that, you know, we had Jeremy play a lot of electric guitars, but I did um, all the bass and drums and keyboards and some of the acoustic guitars on the record. So I basically provided most of the foundation of the, of the music. And then of course, Josh's, Josh and Genevieve's beautiful songs, you know, he's such a great singer and Genevieve wrote all the lyrics and they're incredible lyrics. That's his um, wife. Yes. Josh and Jen. And yeah, it turned out to be, it was produced by Michael Iris over at Bell Creek Studios, who I've gotten to work a lot with. Polcat, Sky Colony, Josh Clausen, a guest, and a very new project that hasn't been released yet. Michael Iris and I just finished a record where we were, we did everything on it as a duo, which is something I've never done. Um, it was fascinating and awesome and it was very low key. We spent like over the last two years we've been doing it. We meet up like every couple months out at his studio out Mountain Beggar Highway and uh, we created this pretty cool piece that is maybe somewhere between like Portis Head and Thievery Corporation and he just got the test press vinyl the other day. Whoa. Hold on. So you guys have a full length record? It's done. It's nine songs. We have some, we have Stephanie from Baby Cakes is a guest vocalist on several. Um, and right now we're in the process of figuring out how to make it 
into a live project. So stay tuned on those developments. Wow. Okay. So that's something coming in the, in the future. And uh, the relationship that you built with Michael, did that start when Polcat recorded at Bell Creek? Yes. Yeah. We met, we met to do Polcat's last studio album, which was Into the Wind. Um, and we just immediately clicked and, you know, worked really closely on that record. And then I've been out there a lot ever since. It's been great. And he plays, we both play in the Tom Petty tribute band, Petty or Not, which has been a very fun uh, live performance development over the last couple of years, ever since Tom Petty's passing. I'm just realizing now that you're the third Petty or Not member oh, uh, wow. to be on the show. Cause Craig, very nice. Craig was here. Craig, Jewel, and Stephanie Walbon sing lead, and then I help out with vocals and do keyboards and acoustic 12-string. I use the exact same live station in Petty or Not that I do in Polcat, so that's been really fun. With Polcat, it's about 80% a 12-string guitar and 20% keyboards, and in Petty or Not, it's exactly flipped, and it's been fun to be able to play a lot more keyboard sounds live uh, for some really rocking crowds we've had some great sets yeah it's a cool uh a, a cool sort of super group in, hmm. its, in its own right um is, is there anything else that you have coming down the pipe anything else we should keep an eye on yeah i've been working with sarah feinberg who's a great songwriter out of everett um she has a really cool rock band called tellers and her solo project is called sylvie uh, and she's just an unbelievably emotive singer and writer. Her favorite artist is Joni Mitchell, yet she writes these like amazing, like jagged indie rock kind of songs. Um, it's just a really cool approach. And we've been having a blast com combining our vibes, which like the A-Guess thing is like kind of smooth and lush. And then she has this like darker rock kind of approach and so we've been writing together and we're putting together an ep which will be done at some point but we're not this is a no a no pressure situation we're just having a blast writing together and we're going to be producing it at royal purple recording with jeremiah austin all right um what does it feel like to live in the shadow of kaylee schmidt there it is <laughs> I'm waiting for that one all night. <laughs> uh, my wife is incredible. I'm a lucky dude. Uh, it's been it's been amazing watching Kaylee. When we met and we first started playing in Polcat, she asked to sit down on a stool, and hide her face with her hair. The first couple gigs, she was she was a timid performer in a rock setting, and to watch her grow as a performer has been amazing. She's, if if any of you have ever seen Polcat, she's front and center and absolutely destroying it in all ways. Um, she messes up way less than the rest of us do. She comes into a studio and one takes all her takes. And besides that, she, her real love is, is folk music and she's an incredible trad tune player. When I say tunes, that's, that's, when the when an instrument says the melody, a song is when is sung by a voice. 
Um, so she, she knows tunes from all over, uh, like pan Celtic regions in Scandinavia. And she's just gone on to, she works for an international booking agency. Now she represents bands from all over the world. Uh, and then she's her and I together, which when I say her and I together, Kaylee and also kind of me produce the Bellingham folk festival and the Bellingham Irish festival, which are now several years strong each at this point. Uh, and it's just been, it's been fascinating and so rewarding to be on this musical ride with a partner that is so, that's so strong that has put up with so much grief from us four dudes in Polcat for 10 years. And she is so capable. It's astounding and very inspiring. Um, and that is how it is to live under the shadow of Kaylee Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one of the most valuable resources for me as an interviewer of musicians in Whatcom County is the what's up 11 questions because Brent oh, no. does the pre-interview for me. It's beautiful. I did that. You did that in February of 2015. Wow. And I have two questions for you based on that interview. Okay. At one point you're talking about Vantage, which is a band that you played in just before Polcat got started. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Vantage was like kind of a modern rock band I played drums for um, probably between, I would say, 05 and, and 2010. Cool. So, so uh, you're quoted as saying, quote, we played for a Capitol Records scout in L.A., and her advice was to move down and spend a few years building there and hope to get noticed. Nope. But the lessons here, but the lesson here is the ups and downs, always plenty of both in a traveling band. Mm. I wonder, um, you know, I think when you think about like what a band needs to do to make it, to like really push to, to uh, get noticed by a scout or whatever, mm. like that's the advice that a lot of people get. Yeah. Do you ever think about what would have happened if you had done that? Like, is there any piece of you that thinks like maybe there was a different path? No, I don't. I knew like just how I responded there. Like I didn't think of it twice and I, I felt maybe a little bad, but honestly the majority of the band members responded like I did. Um, and that's because we have no interest in living in a place like Los Angeles, California. Like there's a large reason that so many that we, that we live where we do up here. Um, and you know, I like being, I need to be close, closer to nature. You know, I, I need that for, that's how I'm creative. I can't imagine being creative in LA, not saying that of course there's awesome music that comes out of LA all the time. I'm just saying for me personally, quality of life is so important if you can if you can find that balance between you know your creative life and your ambitions and also just like making sure that you're you know enjoying yourself um that's so important i've, I've just met so many people that get so jaded by chasing down as far as making it you know that's such a funny term we all kind of have an idea of what that means associated with like 
American success stories and stuff like that. But I don't know. Making it is so is such a personal thing. Like I've been able to carve out this tiny little thing that that helps support my life, and and to me that that makes me so happy. Like I feel I feel content. I feel creative. I feel driven, and also like I I feel so lucky that I you know I have a I have a fun life and I go play ping pong with my buddies and I go out and see live music a lot. And Kaylee and I are connected with the music scene here. Um, so I, you know, I feel, I feel ready for this next chapter of just immersing myself more here where I live rather than pushing so hard out there. That was beautiful. Uh, if I was a, good interviewer i would end the interview there uh, but i can't help myself uh the other question that i have in relation to your um what's up 11 questions so you uh filled oh, no. out this interview in february of 2015 okay so it was right before polecat played your five-year uh celebration show oh wow at the majestic that's right and the last question that Brent asks you is, where do you see yourself in five years in all, all aspects of life? Your response to him is, married to Kaylee, maybe a kid on the way. Wow, I'm exciting. How's it going five years from then? <laughs> That's all I put. Oh my goodness. Well, we're not pregnant. Um, I'm definitely married to Kaylee, so that's great. Uh, I didn't put anything like about music. <laughs> <laughs> just that <laughs> wow I really took my time with that one. Oh man five years later I don't know I feel like I can't say anything better than what I just said yeah. about where I am right now <laughs> what Maybe, about five years from now five years from now um, I, I, I'm really happy with the trajectory that I'm carving out right now um, I'm, I, I am trying you know a a goal of mine is to try to start getting music into the licensing world, which is like, you know, getting basically getting paid to get your recordings on commercials or TV shows or what have you. And that's a, that's going to be a really hard nut to crack. I've had a couple little nibbles here and there. Um, but that's, that's a goal that I'm working on be, as, as I'm spending so much more time in studios and maybe less time out performing that is a, that's a real way to be able to make a little bit of money and continue to do what I do. And hopefully five years from now, Kaylee and I will have traveled um, all over Scandinavia together and other parts of Europe and parts of Asia because we do like to do one big trip a year if we can. And hopefully I'm still uh, hanging with you, bud. I'm sure we will be. <laughs> I hope so too. Uh... Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me, man. It's an honor. You guys do great work. All right. That's all we got. I hope you're listening to this in time to catch one or five last Polecat shows. Thanks again to Aaron for his time. This episode's interview was recorded at Binary Studios. Thanks, Bob. Our ad music is courtesy of Mystery Chi. Thanks, Joel. Our interviews are engineered and mixed by Andy Rick. Our theme music was written and performed by Andy Rick. And our logo was designed by Andy Rick. Thanks for everything, Andy. 
Little City Big Sound is a proud member of the Bell Pod Network, a collective of independent podcasts made right here in the city of subdued excitement. We'll leave you with a song from Aaron's solo project. Here's the title track off of A Guest's new EP, All Along. Believe in the lie that this is not